Welcome to the Money Shop Podcast. We're going to take a look at what's been going on in the business news. We're going to review the strategy that those people have used and see how you can apply it to your business. This week, we're going to talk about some news that happened in the property investment fund market. Yes, we are. What happened, Damien? So, one of, and I can't remember for the life of me the name of the fund, but one of the funds that, I think it was about 18 months ago, stopped any, what's the word beginning with R? Reductions. Is it? Redemptions. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so what they basically did is they stopped investors taking their money out of the fund because... Because COVID? Because Brexit. Oh. So yeah, it was pre-COVID issue. Oh, I know. Can, who can remember that far back? So what they did was everyone who'd invested with them, which is, I think it was a £2 billion fund, they were like, oh, shit, loads of people want their money back. We've got it all tied up in property. We haven't got enough spare cash to give people their money back. So everybody has stopped taking money out now. So they just called a hold on any redemptions, which is f- not common, but it's kind of standard practice in property REITs and funds. Because it's really a liquid. It's an illiquid asset class, yep. Yeah. So it's not that unusual. Now, over the last 18 months, they've sold, I think, 327 million of property, and they've got another 228 million, I think, in sort of conveyancing effectively. Hmm. And so they're like, cool, we think we've now got enough cash. They've got 25% cash available. They're like, we think we've got enough for the redemptions that people will actually want. So they're going to lift the redemption ban. And that is what's been happening in the news. Hmm. But not directly applicable, but what we thought was kind of tangentially applicable is having some kind of money-back guarantee, having some kind of um, returns policy or whatever it might be. Because the other, and now I've just completely going tangent, but the other piece of news today was my shoes. Remember I bought two pairs of trainers the other day? I think I, I can't remember. Did you remember buy them I in Amazon you. Prime Day? No. Well, you bought them for your birthday, didn't you? Yes. I bought myself a treat. So I bought two pairs of trainers from Runner's Need, I think they're called. Runner's Need? Need, da, 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 da. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. But I bought it from there. One of them, the, was super great. So I like those trainers. The other ones were a bit tight, so I sent them back. Yodel fucked everything up. And sent it to Bristol. Bristol were like, what have you sent it to me for? I don't know where this is going. Sent it back to Peterborough. And then they just didn't tell me what was happening for about six days. So I'm like, oh, great, they've lost it. When I contacted them, they were like, yeah, no, it looks like we've lost it. Sorry about that. So I was like, great, can you give me some money? And they're like, "Mm, no. So they're like, oh, leave it 48 hours. If nothing happens, get back in touch. Mm. So I did. And then I got back in touch. Like, yeah, no, leave it another 48 hours. Because what we'll do now is flag it as return to sender. It's like, okay. But the sender was the spa around the corner because I went to one of the drop yeah. things. So I was like, is that what you're going to do? You're just going to send it back to a random shop? He was like, yeah, pretty much. Like, okay, cool. And so they were like, check in on Monday to see what's happening. Check in at your local spa basically to yeah. get your shoes back. Yeah. So I'm like, and this is stupid, but okay. But I did randomly get an email off Runner's Knee today saying, hey, heads up, we've just got your return. 
Really? And so somehow they must have... I don't know if my label came off and they were like, oh, well, the sender is runner's need. We don't have an actual address to post this onto, so return to sender, back to runner's need. And inside was the returns form. Wow. So, yeah, that was a very convoluted thing, but it is linked up with returns. But it goes to show that, you know, uh, even if you have a returns policy, your your money is tied up for a period of time before you it can actually is. call it your own. Yes. So if you sell, yeah, when you sell something... It's not final. It's not really yours for the duration however, of your however long return this policy. kind of crazy return policies. So we've seen return policies get longer and longer in a hope to sort of so where have assuage we seen that? people's doubts. So we've seen you it had with, one, um, we had a we had a uh, Casper, all the mattress companies. Remember Casper floated for like a billion dollars. Did it? Yeah. It's that mattress company. I got Simba. That yeah. was because they went through, like, there was Eden, Simba, Casper. All making the same sort of shit mattress. I'm pretty sure they were identical. Yeah. But they were all kind of terrible mattresses. I mean, I like mine. Fuck oh, you. I don't like mine. Um, <laughs> let's get rid of ours. <laughs> Bad times. And it was a whole... After 100 days. Well, no, after a good period of time. Can't but that was that mainly because we were like, we need to have a mattress until the new mattress arrives. <laughs> so really, we took advantage of that policy. Um in the worst possible way, which is like, we're going to run out the clock for this. Um, so did you return it with a 100-day time period or not? Yeah, like ah, 98 days. days okay, cool. Stupid. <laughs> but anyway, these kind of long return periods where they say like, hey, you, you can have this product for a long time and with the hope that you have it for so long that it gets almost imbued into your life and you go, well, I couldn't, couldn't live without this anymore, so I, I keep it. Um, and you had an example from Curry's. I don't, in retrospect, I don't think it was Curry's. I think it was B&Q. Um, a, another sort of big box. Yeah, um, so it was a big sort of retail company and they did a thing, I don't know if they still do, but it was like you have two years to return any um, tools effectively. And so loads of contractors came away from the more standard building contractors, tool manufacturers and sellers and started using B&Q. B&Q. I might be lying about that one, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and so use that. But they would, after one year, 11 months or whatever, they would properly fuck up their tools so they could then send it back like, oh no, look, it's broken, so I can have a new one now. And they'd basically just get a new one every two years without having to pay for it again. Which seems like a really stupid policy from a business. If you're only selling tools. If you only sell those one things. But yeah, kind of the logic behind it was, if we can get you in the store you're probably going to pick up everything in one go and we'll make enough profit on the other stuff to warrant, yeah, okay, fine, this £100 drill. Yeah, right, you've basically paid £100 for a lifetime's worth of drills. And how many of them will forget to return it or not be dicks to break it every two years to get a brand new one? So that was kind of the policy behind it. It's good. I mean, like I guess we were saying that like returns policies were part of your retention policy. but Well, it's also part of your sales pitch as well. If you're comparing like for like and someone says, yeah, try it for as long as you want. And if you ever at any point decide you don't like it, give us a heads up. You can have your money back. You're like, well, that company's got a lot of faith in their own product. I like the sound of that. I'll give them a go. And it's super risk free because if it doesn't work out for me, I'll just send it back. Mm. And I will probably shop at runner's need again. I've sent back the thing I didn't want. And I complied with all the returns policy stuff, so it was unused, still in the box, blah, blah, blah. I literally tried it on, as you would in a shop, 
and be like, oh, I don't like that. It's not comfortable. I'll send it back. So they can still sell that product on again. They're not any worse off, but they've retained me as a customer. I'll probably shop from there again. Hmm. If they were like, yeah, no, you've had it now. It's in your house. You've tried it on. We're not giving you your money back. Like, well, I'm never shopping with you ever again. So it's also a sale, a sales, a sales tactic, I think. Because hmm. I guess that we we see this a lot with, I guess if you ever bought anything off like AliExpress, maybe even eBay, some of these sort of like not dropship, but you know like um, connect you with a Far East supplier and they'll send you a thing for dirt cheap on a yeah. boat. Um, You're never returning that. Yeah, I mean the returns policy is like it turns up and it wasn't what I wanted, and they're like, I don't care. Yeah, maybe you should swim back with it then. Yeah. And like, no one's going to return it because it costs like <laughs> yeah. 300 quid to ship something to China. Um, and you only paid £14 yeah. for the carbon fibre bike. Um, and equally, they might send you another one because it's more cost effective for them to send you one than anything else. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, there's no loyalty there. Like, you would just say, well, fuck, fuck it, I'll never come back again. You would never actively seek out that seller if you were looking for the same thing again, would you? But they're in a commodity market, should we say, which yeah. is like whoever's the cheapest wins probably 50% of the business. So what about then in my sort of world where it's more info products and stuff like that, where potentially someone can just come along and be like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll buy your video training course on whatever, and then I'll download it and then be like, oh, no, it wasn't right for me. I'm going to return it because I'm only back now but I've stolen all of your stuff. I've seen people take sort of the slightly aggressive view, I guess, of people are dicks. People are probably going to do that. So there is zero returns policy because as soon as you've paid for it, you've got the whole course. And whether it's good or not, you've got it. And there are a number of people that will be assholes about it and they will download it, download all the PDFs and then be like, oh no, sorry, it wasn't for me. So yeah, no, give me money back, but I've got all your course for free. Thanks for that. And then there's the other side of people who are like, not that many people are that much of an asshole. So I'll accept that will happen, but it will be a relatively small number. And that will be counteracted by the fact I have a returns policy means I'll probably get more sales in the first place. Yeah, I guess it takes away a bit of that um, what if it nagging shit? doubt, especially with sort of non-small numbers. Um, but I, I, I guess... The, the situation where someone is stealing your stuff and you there's a sort of um, hurdle you've suddenly gone over, which is, well, I'm valued enough in the market that someone wants to steal my shit. You yeah. Know, they want to, they want to take that. They want to rip me off. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's kind of used, it's kind of almost, um, it's nice to have people who are trying to imitate you because it means, um, it means all of a sudden you've, you, you've, you've made, made it. You know, me. You know, yeah. Um, well, yeah, and the other side. So what I do, and I think it's, I think one of the reasons I did this was because it would stop stuff like that. But I've broken my modules down into like step by step, and you've got to go through one before you go through to the next one. Mm. And because there is a time limit involved in it, you can say, well, yeah, I will 100% give you any of your money back. You need to prove you've done some of the work, though, because otherwise anyone can effectively just sign up like yeah it was no shit sorry and pause for dramatic effect
strange there's not a a return so policy on takeaway. You know, there's there's often often a disappointing takeaway, but literally no recourse in it. And usually the reason that you bought the takeaway from the takeaway place is that you like takeaway from that place. So you're not going to like re-shop somewhere else and there's not really a, a valid argument that says, well, I didn't like, I didn't like what you did with this curry. So I'm never coming back because you are going to go back because in general you like what the curry does. And and usually there's no number of poppadoms that solves that problem, is there? Maybe there's just a sort of sunk cost, well not sunk cost, a sort of cost of doing business with food ordering where like 10% of food is shit and it's always going to be that way you still recording without me no you I are mean, absolutely I was having a nice chat about takeaways well so let's finish the episode before we eat well no what I want to know is why you put your super sexy voice on when I wasn't here come on up Chris uh, okay fair enough <laughs> so and unpause from Takeaway delivery. I'm just going to leave that in, but whatever. Making people prove they've done the work yes. before you give them some sort of refund so they can at least genuinely say, well, no, I tried your stuff and it didn't work. It's rubbish. Therefore, give me my money back. So, so by, I'm okay by chopping it up, you're, you're sort of staging the shitty complainer. Yeah, because if you can see, well, no, you've gone through absolutely all of them. And if you thought it was rubbish, why didn't you stop at the first one? Yeah, you only complained at... Uh... Chapter nine of ten. Yeah, exactly. So, and also, I'm a, <laughs> I just didn't like where this course ended up. Actually, <laughs> I didn't like the ending. I wanted him to live. Um, I mean, I will give anybody their money back if they whinge, but I will make them jump through hoops. And basically, I'll be like, "Yeah, so I want you to admit you're just a lazy prick that didn't do any of the work, and that's why you think this course is shit." Right. If you say that out loud, I'll give you your money back. Really? But you've got to say it. Admit it. <laughs> Tell me you're a little bitch. You sound like uh, the embodiment of like trying to cancel Virgin Media. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just, like, just admit you don't like TV. Just admit you want to. Just admit that you're a boring wanker. <laughs> just, just say it, and then you can have your money back. You just have to admit it. That's all. You have to say out loud in front of a, a group of your peers. I don't value quality television. <laughs> I hate and then, entertainment. And, and then it's fine. The contract's cancelled. You just have to say it just once. I uh, had to cancel. I had to get and then get rid of a subscription to The Telegraph very rapidly this week. Because there was okay. one article about uh, okay. one thing going on. I was like, I need to read this. I can't be... I, there's no fucking around. I just have to read this article. Uh, so I did it. And then the, they make you ring them up. Oh, I hate that. I rang them. They like, hi, uh, you took this subscription out two days ago. Why do you want to cancel it? I was like, I read the article I wanted to read and I'm done. We'll give you three months more free if you want. I was like, Unless I, you're going to do more articles on that. You're literally never going to publish this article again. So no. And they're like, do you, what was the reason for... And I was like, I just wanted to read that article. Why, would you, why are you so interested in that article? It was like, it was about something I was very interested in. And they're like, is it ever going to happen again? I was like, no. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I, I, I know that they're, they're geared up for people who are like, oh, well, I don't know if it's really good much value. I mean, I guess I'll try it for three months. <laughs> they were just like, you're clearly you just done want with this. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of us have lost money through this, so it's fine. Let's just go. Bye-bye. So, 
How do you take it back to the small business? Exactly, Lamont. If you've got zero refund policy, the world's most lax refund policy, or somewhere in between, I mean, I suppose they are your three options. How do you figure out which one is best for you? Is it just, I guess in this case, ABC, split testing it? No, I think okay. that's dangerous to split test because you have to remember that a returns policy is a uh, requirement of your working capital. So you have to put away money to refund these people. So however long your returns policy means, however long it is. What if you don't have one though? If you don't have one, that's fine. You don't have one. But like... But no, so what I'm saying is how do you decide which returns policy to have? Well, I guess it is almost a function of how much capital you're willing to tie up. Okay, yeah. Because you can't, you can't... Yeah, so every sale isn't final until that returns until that policy period. is So if finished. you're happy to wait 100 days post-sale, mm-hmm. then fine. But also you have to be pretty confident that... Um, well, the reality is you wouldn't, you would, and I suppose it, this would take time, but you would figure out my returns rate is yeah. 5%. So every sale, I need to assign 5% to my fund for returns. But you have to be good at that. And yeah. Well, you just need to have enough numbers to know, okay, yeah, this is our returns rate. And also, I think, for me, I think it just gives more of a, a degree of confidence in your own product. If you sell something, you're like, yeah, most people are going to do it, see it, experience it, and then want their money back. Like, is your product just a bit shit? Or are you overselling it in the first instance? Yeah. There's probably something you are in control of that you could change to be able to reduce the likelihood of returns policy. And therefore, I would lean more towards the more generous you can be with a returns policy, easier is you're going to be able to sell your stuff. And as long as you're not selling either crap or overselling it in your like sales messages or whatever, marketing, you probably end up all right. Yeah, and also don't fall down the trap of having a returns policy that's overly complicated like no yeah. one wants that no one wants to have to jump through 15 hoops damien <laughs> i mean <laughs> fine <laughs> but no one wants that no everyone wants returns to be fair enough you know you tried you you didn't like yeah my returns possibly dead simple you tried it you didn't like it now just admit you're a loser <laughs> now, now stand on the street and flagellate yourself until i'm satisfied <laughs> send me a video with you crying and oh, oh, no that's my working capital well spent yeah, great. <laughs> yeah in conclusion so you've got in conclusion pick your returns policy but then depending on which one you go for that is going to have an implication for your cash flow and you need to set aside some money from your reserves to be able to fulfill that return. And so just be aware that just because you've sold something, if you have a returns policy, it doesn't necessarily mean that cash is then yours to go and spend. So you don't want to end up in the position where, yeah, I've sold a bunch of stuff. Shit, someone's asked for their money back and I haven't got the money to give it to them. Don't instantly spend it on more infantry. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Thanks for listening to the Money Shop Podcast. Join us again next time for business strategies you can apply to your business.